Welcome to Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Namaste and happy solstice. Today is the darkest day of the year. Over the course of the nighttime, we went through the darkest moment and started on our way back to the light. And I thought this might be an interesting time to talk about a Kriya practice that we do at Ishta Yoga. The Kriya is called Saham, or alternatively Soham. Um, the mantra is known as Soham, means that that is I. The unbound is what I think of as me. When Alan Finger started using this mantra in a kriya that we do during our premeditative asana, he emphasized the alternate pronunciation of it, saham. Saham has the exact same meaning. Sa relates to the unbound the wholeness, the truth of what is always everywhere. And aham is I. Saham. When we use this practice, we're affirming our nature, our nature as both unbound, everything, oneness, what the ancients called Brahman. And we're also acknowledging ourselves as being a part of the world, being engaged in living in the world and having all the experiences that humans have. And those experiences include all of our five senses, all of those sensory actions, the sensory perceptions, and also the mind that processes that data has some kinds of memories related to it, has some kinds of sense of the personal effect of those perceptions on myself, the personal uh, repercussions of my actions with those elemental forces of our experience that we experience through our senses. And it has also a intellect, what in Sanskrit is called buddhi, like the Buddha, same root, this intellect that is able to process what it is that we are experiencing. But the buddhi has this special function in that it can also pay attention to what we are in our wholeness. So in the yoga teachings, you will often hear about a metaphor. You'll, you'll get this metaphor as an example of how our intelligence, our buddhi, can 
see what's going on as a um, a metaphor of a lake, right? That when the lake is uh, full of ripples and currents and wind, then it's very hard to understand what you see when you're looking in the lake. You can't really make out any kind of an image. But when that lake grows still, when the lake goes still, the water is smooth, the reflective qualities of the surface of the water kick in, and we're able to see a reflection of whatever is above. Sometimes when we have this metaphor, we call the thing that's reflected the moon, you know, because that's something that most of us have had an experience of, that you look into the water of a still lake and you see the night sky reflected. So when we do the Saham Kriya, we're trying to get the lake to still. We're trying to calm ourselves. But more powerfully than that, what we're doing is reminding ourselves of the truth of our existence, who we are. And when we hear this Kriya done, if you ever come to a meditation class at Ishta, you might hear something about we breathe in, we resonate sa, and envision a line of energy. When we breathe out, we resonate hum, and we visualize that energy doing something else. So like with all yoga practices, our ability to use them is pretty much all the time. I mean, there are practices that are best not to do unless you have a certain degree of mastery or you're in a certain condition. But with most practices, you can take on the practice and the practice sort of has multiple levels of impact. When we do the Saham Kriya and we're just hanging out, moving between cow and cat, moving between Bali and seal, moving through our vinyasa of the sun salutation, you can use that Saham literally just as a, a way to get your mind to stay focused on something. Mantra itself is a tool of using the mind to still the mind, using the power of our speech as a container, a controller of our mind. So just repeating the mantra, sa-ham, as you're practicing will have an effect, regardless of how practiced of a yogi you are. Using the visualization component of saham to see a line of energy with your dream mind, your imagination mind as the beginning, lets you start to bridge the space between two of the aspects of our experience in the world. We, as complex beings, operate on a bunch of different levels. Even from your own 
you know, pre-yoga experience, you definitely had times when you were more feeling your body doing something, and other times when you were feeling your mind doing something, and other times when your emotions were doing something, and so forth. So it's not a foreign idea to think about ourselves as having these multiple densities of experience. The most dense being to move my leg over here, to move my arm over here. I'm going to move my leg over here right now because my hip was bothering me. So to take that action is to do something on the physical level. When I do saham kriya and I use my imagination and I envision energy in coming into me and then that energy radiating through me, I can feel that from the level of my body. My body is a thing that has a top and a bottom, a crown of my head and a pelvic floor. And I can envision that energy moving in that physical body. And when I breathe out and I visualize that energy flowing through this physical body, I can get a sense of, wow, I'm not just flesh and blood. I'm not just this densest level of me. I can get a sense of myself as able to imagine energy moving in me. And as I envision that, as I imagine that, I start to expand my sense of what I am, not just physical, also energetic. You know, if you want to use science words, you can say also, you know, electricity. That's the substance that flows through our nervous system. But, you know, science gets a little tripped up when it starts to figure out, wait, what, what is this electricity doing? How come I have thoughts? What are those thoughts in relationship to the energy? They have difficulty in measuring these kinds of things and even understanding how they work. So as a modern yogi, I allow for science to do its thing and to be pursuing a clearer understanding of the way all of this works. And I pay a lot of attention to what yogis say because yogis have been feeling this stuff for thousands of years. So when you have something that for thousands of years People have been not just believing it, not just like, oh, I read this book and I belong to this church and so I believe this stuff. But yoga is a practice of doing, having a personal experience of it. That's the amazing thing that yoga has done. It's not a religion. It's not a belief system. You might believe it once you've been doing it for a while. That's like being from Missouri. Right? <laughs> I believe it when I see it. But that's quite different from just taking it on faith. So as you start to have these experiences, do this practice, feel for it, at first the imagination part, the kind of going along with the practice, even though I maybe just learned it and I don't know what it's doing yet. That's more like 
learning how to do something as opposed to trusting or believing or having faith in it. I mean, there's a trust in one's teacher. Like I trust that my teacher is going to give me something to try that is potentially good for me and probably not bad for me. So there's the trust component on that front. But then the actual experiencing is something that you do for yourself. You have the experience for yourself. So when we do the Saham Kriya, and at first we're envisioning it, imagining it, using the capacity we have to sort of daydream, we're helping ourselves to expand our sense of what might be so that we're open to what comes next, open to the possibility. And as we stay open to that possibility, we start to get more of a sense of what am I as energy? Who is that? What, what, do I, what would I feel? And why don't I just pay attention and see what it feels like? And through doing that, you start to gain this sense of yourself and the flow and the movement and the underlying motivational forces at play. And you start to have your own experience of what that means in your body with your history and your sensitivities. And so the Saham Kriya becomes something that you start by imagining and then you've grown to having some sense of what that is, how I'm flowing and my breath is moving energy within me. Thanks for listening to Peter's podcast. I fund Peter's podcast through Patreon. Patreon.com is a place where you can support the podcast by going to the website, subscribing for as little as a dollar, and it helps support the work that I'm doing and the information that you're enjoying right now. There are a couple of interesting levels of Patreon that let you study with me in a more formal, though informal way. One allows you to write to me with questions. The other allows you to have a session with me once a month. So take a look, patreon.com slash peterspodcast. Thanks a lot. Here's the rest of the talk about the Saham Kriya. When you become more adept at that, more gaining a sense of that, you might start to think about the next bridge that this Saham Kriya provides. As you're repeating Sa and energy is flowing one way, as you're repeating Ham and energy is moving in a, another way. As you use the mantra, Sa, the wholeness, the truth of what is, and as you use Ham, and you're affirming I, and you're connecting the two, that that is me. Or to use the antique way of saying that, that I am. Then you start to be able to move to the next level of density, the least dense, the most subtle.
And in that, we have the movement of energy, saw. And generally when you come to an Ishta class, someone will say, you're bringing energy into Brahmanadi. And sometimes when we use the, you know, the sort of yoga vernacular, it, it's suddenly confusing. Like, wait, what's, what's Brahmanadi? And I was thinking about my body a minute ago. But once you've got the body, once you're starting to feel energy as a motivation, as a subtlety, as a I'm feeling myself like in this more floating place, not just totally exteriorly oriented, but interiorly oriented, then you can learn something more. And that's part of the practice of yoga. In the yoga practice, as it's described in the yoga sutras, we have tapas are doing the work of purifying ourselves, of clearing our mind, of you know being healthy enough to do a practice, of taking the actual effort to do the practice, right? the efforts that we take to do yoga, to gain the experience of ourselves as whole. And there's one component of the practice that is surrender, to let go, which we, we have to do in meditation. And we have to do throughout our lives as we allow for this universe to be what it is and for us to be where we are within that universe with the capacities that we have to act, to understand, to grow, to be willing to not always get what we want and to find an equanimity with that. So the first, the efforts that we make are called tapas. The surrender that we need to do is called ishvara pranidhana. The second of the parts of a yoga practice are svadhyaya. And svadhyaya is the study that we need to do in order to practice. So our practice is a study of learning what to do and a study of ourselves to understand, wait, how do I get to where I'm going? Well, when I do this, this is what happens. When I do that, that's what happens, which is the one that's helping me find my shifts in mental state that I need to do to sense myself as expanded, as whole. So you learn from your teachers, and when you apply what you've learned, you study the effect of that on yourself. Sometimes when we try to do that all ourselves, like we try to be our own teachers, it's very hard to see what's going on. You get confused. You keep doing the things that you think are the right things for you because you already thought those were the right things for you and they were never the right things for you. And so you just stay in a looping pattern. Sometimes you have more than one teacher who seems to, the two of them together or the three of them together seem to hit all the bases for you. And so 
you've, you've got it worked out that way. But the nature of our existence in the world is we are a multiple of different roles. Right? There are one Brahman expressing as many. And the nature of our living is a community. We have this, I do this, someone else does that, someone else does that. The role of a teacher is to teach. The role of the student is to learn. As you are a student and you're learning, there becomes a gray area where you're both a teacher and a student. But again, using your self-study can help you figure out well, where am I in terms of this one particular thing that I might need help with right now. So what I use that long setup for is that there comes a point where in order to use this sahamkriya to its utmost, you need to learn something about the nature of things to take, again, not like faith, but as a teaching that you can incorporate and meditate on and be with and see how that flows. So the teaching that I'm giving you right now, that maybe you've heard a million times, maybe you've never heard it before, maybe you've heard it before and it never made sense, is that the universe is a oneness and we're within the oneness. When we think of ourselves as this uniqueness within the oneness, the oneness doesn't change, it's still there. But our orientation to things changes. This is the great magic of yoga and any practice that allows you to expand your sense of what you are, that you learn that you're not just the individual, but that you're also the oneness. And as that oneness, you're never not the oneness, right? The ocean, the water that is on the earth, is everywhere on the earth, right? All the oceans connect. There's just one big ocean. We give them names because of our history, because of our nature, because of our smallness. But looking from space at the globe, you see there's just all this water flowing around the globe. In the same way, we are part of a much bigger ocean. We're part of the universe itself. The universe with all of its magnitude of mass and space and stars and flux of things that scientists don't even know how to describe. But yogis worked with these ideas and from a place of sensation and as a teaching we can share those with each other 
from teacher to student. And so this teaching that I would like to share with you right now is that you are the ocean. And sometimes you'll hear the metaphor, you're a drop in the ocean. That's a perfectly fine metaphor, except that I don't know what a drop in the ocean is exactly. So in my own meditations on this, which is the nature of our understanding yoga, to grasp it for oneself, I started thinking about a current in the ocean. That sometimes you're in the ocean and you're dragged one way or you're dragged another way. Or you're in the ocean and the water temperature changes when you move to a certain place. So suddenly this ocean has this part that's warm and this part that's not as warm. Or it has this part where the flow is one way and then a part where the flow is a different way. So in the unbound universe, the oneness that we are, there comes about a uniqueness. And that uniqueness is us, like a current in the ocean. It's never not the ocean, but for this one perspective, it seems to be going in this unique way. And when it's going in this unique way, it has these unique characteristics. And by some magic of consciousness, we experience that as I, I, my life, my friends, my likes, my dislikes, my story. And all of this is a part of a grand scheme, a great dance the ancients called it, a dance of experience. So what about the Saham Kriya? The Saham Kriya, with this concept in mind, is the coming about of the current within the ocean. Here is the ocean of consciousness. And within this ocean, the first line of creation, the created instance of individuality occurs. The name we give that is Brahma Nadi, a line of energy that is the creation of a new being. So when we do the Saham Kriya from this next level of subtlety, we're affirming that the breath in is that moment of the creation of a unique identity. When we breathe out, hum, hum is the transformation force. It creates I. And when we say hum, the Kriya practice is to feel the energy that you've just drawn in radiate out from Kanda, a distribution center that forms below the navel, above the pubic bone. And through that, through that distribution center, through the thousands of nadis that yogis recognize as being our lines of energy flowing through us. Sa, Brahma Nadi, the energy comes in. Hum, the energy radiates through us. 
Saw within the ocean a line of energy forms. Hum, that line of energy is distributed as us. So when you're in that flow, you're both as the whole and you're in the one. You're literally defining creation, manifestation. So at this moment of the solstice, this time of moving from dark into light, an idea like this is like a light bulb. It shines a little bit into the darkness, into an area that needs a little more, needs a little more clarity, a little more understanding, a little more awareness. So I invite you, as you're doing your Saham Kriya, to use it at any level that makes sense for you. When you're doing your cat-cow and you hear you saw, like the breath opens up and allows it in, energy in, hum, it goes through, it makes your joints spacious. That's a very physical reading. We're bridging from the physical to the next level of prana, energy. And as you get more and more comfortable with that and you start to sense energies flowing in me, And when you get comfortable with that, ponder this notion that I just gave, the unbound Brahman has the impetus for a new life. This moment, it comes into being as your inhale, sa, Brahmanadi. And as you breathe out, you express that individuality as your living. Hum, aham. Happy new solar year starting now. Happy holidays for whichever holidays of light you practice. And I look forward to talking to you again. Namaste. That's today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening to Peter's podcast. I hope that you find real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living through your practice. Please support me on Patreon, rate the podcast, namaste. Namaste.